Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for stage 16 of Love Welter. I thought this would be a, a breakaway stage. Benji thought there could be some action and he, and he was right <laughs> today. This was a really interesting stage with a lot to talk about. A Vuelta special, 120 Ks, less than three hours of racing, nearly two and a half hours of racing and a Uni Puerto hockey stick. Although it is rolling along the Cantabrian coast, out of Santander before. That's where they start in Santander. Finishing in Bejes. I think this was the most beautiful stage of the race, actually, in La Vuelta. Um, Kirby was talking about he wants to go to Cantabria. I kind of now want to as well. I thought it was really attractive. Anyway. Go rolling, together. Yeah, maybe uh, next year on the way to Gran Camino in, in February. No, actually, in winter, it's fucking cold. Not going there. Um, finish. 5Ks, 8.6%. Is this a, a hilltop finish? Or a mountaintop finish? Is this for climbers or is this for punchers, Benji? This is a medium mountain finish. I think there's an in-betweener there that you can classify as a medium mountain. This is that. This was for okay. the climbers for me, for the GC riders. This is too difficult for the Romain Grégoires of the world, for the purer punchers of the world, for the uh, old-school 2011 Philip Schulbert. This is too long, for example. That's how I see this climb. This is for the GC riders and maybe for the ones where it's difficult. Depends on how hard the race is beforehand, but... I reckon before we go to what actually happened to the final, we got to talk about the immense breakaway battle that we had from the start of the stage until 60% into this stage, to be honest. Because while there was immediately a breakaway, after like 10 kilometers of fighting, there was a breakaway. Pervake, Gregoire, the puncher I just said can't win on this race, was in the breakaway. Caden Groves as well, seemingly to protect his green jersey even more against... Honestly, the only person that can even remotely threaten him is kind of Remco at the moment. Cron, Piccolo, La Pera, uh, Sobrero, Bardem, Max Poole, and Batistella. So two strong DSM riders there, but there's one team that's not happy with this breakaway. And it's Ineos who do literally everything in their power to catch this breakaway. Was it too much they were trying? Like, I don't... I, I, I'm obviously very critical of teams all the time, and, and you know probably that's what we've done a lot on this pod, but I don't like it cr to criticize a team for trying. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they should make it in the first place. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's ideal. But when you don't make it, and it was the plan, and you have the team there, do you say, oh, we'll just give up and go for tomorrow? I mean, they, they still tried. And if I was them, I would have expected, Benji, other teams to help them. No, have Bahrain won a stage in this race? Uh, don't think so. So, Bahrain, if I had Santi Caruso and Pauls on my team, why weren't Bahrain? I would have expected Bahrain to help on this finish. I'd expect Trek to help. Because uh, they didn't have anyone on the breakaway. I mean, and you look at Asia 2R, they can get someone in better than who was a Prudhomme or, or Lapira. So I would have thought other teams would have lent them a hand. And those two I mentioned are very strong. They didn't. And so I guess, you know, my, my question though to your point, Benji, is who, who are they going to win this stage with if they do get in the breakaway? Yeah, Ineos. that I do not get in the first place. Like, I reckon from their team, 
the pure climbers are the ones I'm aiming at for this finish. Like, I'm looking at a Thomas for a finish like this, but he was one of the first ones to set the pace after the breakaway. So I don't believe in Castroviejo breakaways. I don't believe he's strong enough to win a breakaway stage unless it's a really Mickey Mouse breakaway that he's up against. But outside of that, I'm looking at their team and I'm like, maybe they try to get Bernal in there. Maybe that's the rider they want to win a stage with, but he hasn't shown that form anyway for me to be able to be competitive. Barney beats Bernal at the finish line if that happens. And, well, they basically blow up their entire team in the chase. That's how I see this, because the gap gets closed and then there's a few people like a Bahrain rider here or there that tries to bridge. And while they do get close, it's eventually just once again one, one final push of riders getting in the breakaway that closes that initial breakaway down. And now... We're talking about, we've ridden 40 kilometers at this point, and there's, it's only a 120 kilometer stage, so it's starting to become less and less time to be controlled by any team that wants to control a stage like this for their own gain. And then the next step is a smaller breakaway forms, and that's because we see, we see lots of riders trying, but we see the same scenario happening all the time. A group of six tries to go up the road, and the team that bridges, the group that bridges, so a group of eight tries to bridge to the group of six, then we suddenly see a Trotnik showing up or a Hesing showing up in that group too, kind of closing that second group. To me, it felt like Yumbo was actively trying to get a smaller breakaway up the road in the hopes to control the stage for themselves. It seemed that way, and maybe that wasn't originally the plan yesterday. Obviously, this morning, have we, have we spoken about, there was the news of Nathan Van Hooydonk was involved in, a, in an yeah. incident, a car accident. Uh, and was reported to be in a, a very serious accident, was reported to be in a critical condition. Um, so, you know, and, and the riders start the stage, basically, yeah, there's the report from sports, so there's the report from the Belgian police in the hospital, but the riders really start this stage not knowing what's going on with, with that. Obviously, they know it's yeah. very serious. That's all they really know at that point. And so I don't know what, how that played into it, but... Certainly, as you said, Benji, it looked like Yumbo started to try and... Because I'm not sure they're bringing that original break back. That was a good yep. original breakaway um, with... Groves was, Groves was trucking today. <laughs> um, it was 10, 10 strong guys uh, in that break. I'm not sure they bring that break back. Maybe in, in your change their mind and thinking, fuck, we we got to work for an hour now. We just work for an hour if we get a small break and we can go for a stage. Yep, that is true. And we see that once that small breakaway from the five-man breakaway, Cataneo, Kaden Groves again, like you said, Prodom, Max Poole and uh, Joel Nicolaus. So five riders, quite solid engines, but this is not the, the breakaway that will last against the Vambale, Hesink and Tarotnik pacing them down the entire day because they're trying to keep this at a minute. They're trying to keep this close so that when they get to the final climb, there's a chance they're already caught early on on the climb or just before the climb. And we see that exact scenario. There's one thing that even weakens the, the breakaway a bit further. That's because a bit later we see the intermediate sprint with about 25 kilometers left in the stage. And Groves sprints for it and drops back to the peloton. So he has his points. He's happy. So that weakens the breakaway for the next 10, 10 kilometers. But I was already of the opinion that the break wasn't going to win them because the gap was falling down for from a minute 40 max to a minute to 37 seconds. And it started to look like it might be caught just at the bottom or just after the start of the uh, the actual climb. And it was earlier. It was at 10 kilometers to go that the breakaway got caught. And I, I feel like we've caught up with everything so far, but well, the they gave up, of, 
Well, you, you saw the quick step car talking to Cat- yep. Cataneo just being like, pull it. Like, it, you're not going to, you need two minutes at least on this climb. And so they gave up even before they were caught. I think from 20Ks, they, they gave up the ghost. Or whenever Groves left, mentally, they were done. Yeah, exactly. And the basic gist of what we've told so far is the fact that the smaller the amount of kilometers is that a GC team needs to control, the more likely that they're going to do it. The breakaway formation phase was so long, like, roughly 70 kilometers where Yumbo didn't have to control it, where the breakaway formation phase controlled the race, that they only had to control for 40 kilometers until the final climb. And that's relatively easy to do, even though the peloton was kind of on one line. So that's kind of the summary of the stage so far. And we were, uh, we were all going to see uh, what Yumbo were cooking on the final climb, eh? because we, uh, we're heading to the final climb. And when this happens, I'm always looking at Joao Almeida, because <laughs> I want to <laughs> Bro, know if he's... Central GC! Where is he's, he? He's actually really good on these climbs. His positioning is what I look at. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know how you see that from the helicopter shot. Certainly not going to see it from the front-on motorbike shot. Um, <laughs> his positioning. But if you remember, if you remember on 10 Tudia last year, he's actually very good at 10, 12 minutes. And yeah. this is 5Ks. So that's 5 kilometers, 30Ks an hour is 10 minutes. So they're not going to do 30Ks an hour, 9%, 25Ks an hour, 12-minute climb, let's say, give or take. He's actually very good in this range. In the Vuelta third week last year, he cooked on Tentudia last year where uh, mm-hmm. Uran beat Jose, uh, Hazel Serrata, who I picked, or maybe it was no uh, Quentin Pache. He was very good on that. So I thought, was well, he going to try something? Early attack is like him and Vlasov on stage nine. Yeah. Will they try that? I was also doing the maths, Benji, and it wasn't adding up. It was not adding up to me. Kelderman's been used on the flat. Van Baal's been used on the flat. Hastings has been used. Wilco's dropped. Tratnik's doing the run-in. The full like omelet. He was doing an omelet yep. style lead out basically into because the, the climb starts on a, a right hander at 270 degrees. Gotta be first. He pulls off, and I'm thinking, Attila Valtz gonna pull Roglic and do a lead out for 5Ks nah. against the Peloton. I don't think so. <laughs> and so you already could probably tell if Yumbo wanted to defend the three leaders and not put two of the three into a lead-out position, mm-hmm. is going to get you, at best, a K into this climb. Something's going to have to give. And yep. there's going to be attacks. And so I already thought this was actually going to be quite an open climb, even though it looks like a Roglic sprint climb. Exactly. And to give a bit more of a sketch to what the group looked like at that moment, we've got a 5K climb roughly. It's a, it's a rather difficult climb. Like, it's 9 to 10% for the first kilometer and a half then there's a portion of like six seven percent for a bit but then it goes back up to 13 in the last like uh from from three to four kilometers and it like settles out a bit in the last kilometer that's roughly my sketch of the climb but looking at the group going into that like UAE was badly positioned and that's always the case that's why I look at Almeida's position because uh, it's always funny that he starts really far back and then tries to move up on the climb and so forth but also, a user was pretty far back, and they were kind of midway the group of like 40 riders, maybe, maybe just past midway the group. And Yumbo was at the front with the following train Walter, Jonas Wingegor, Kuss, Roglic. Then we saw Moss, Plaza, and Kian Eitebrooks very close to them. Then Pools and, and Landa were there for a bit. Then, like, five to ten positions until we saw the UAE riders. And those UAE riders were the following Soler was there, even though I sometimes couldn't find him very well. Fisher Black was there. Absolute diamonds in the legs today. We'll see what he do, does with it. <laughs> then Ayuso and Almeida. So also four riders. 
And we get that scenario you mentioned. The second I saw Volter ahead of Jonas, I was like, Jonas is about to attack the second that Volter is done with his base. Like, it's so, it's kind of telegraphed. They've done it in the province, which I mislabeled this as, to the <laughs> west of here, back in February. In Grand, oh no, was that Johannes Stahnemitter? Was it which, Walter's been doing leadouts for Jonas all year. That was Walter, and, yeah. Was it? Okay, in, in Grand Camino. And they did it early on these sort of clients. And this was the big difference between Vingegaard 23 and Vingegaard 22. Vingegaard 22, long climbs, hot conditions, we all know, fantastic, whatever. 23, he started the year in these Spanish races. And of course, he's competing against me, Benji, and Andorokamika. But <laughs> the watts were crazy on these 10 to 12 minute climbs in the Spanish region, these steep ones. And so he has confidence from that in this part of the world in, in cool conditions. He can, he can go early. And I think if you don't do that, Benji, what's your alternative? If you're Yumbo, if he doesn't attack, you will have to, you wait Use. for a Vlasov to move and Jonas goes with him and it's a little bit more yeah. chaotic. Or you, or you start using your leaders to, to pace for the red jersey of Kuz, but I'm not on that page yet. As in, I want more time on a user if I'm Jumbo Visma. And yes, Kuz fans might not like that. I love GC Kuz. I want GC Kuz to absolutely destroy everybody in this race and win the red jersey at the end. But in all honesty, as Jumbo Visma, you want to win the race, period. It's not really... It's a luxury to be able to choose who wins, but I wouldn't be doing it six days from the end. <laughs> Maybe in the last three, I'll start thinking yeah. about, oh, can we get Kuz to win? <laughs> Especially with one big stage coming where multiple leaders' team strength doesn't help you at all. Uh, it yeah. does, but the Angleru, for example, tomorrow. So I think you can do that on Linares. There's a valley and it's not so long a climb, but I agree. If, if Vingegaard, and listen, when before this climb, I thought if Vingegaard has diamonds in the legs, UAE have four riders. If he has diamonds, he wins by 15 seconds. That's a big gap on a 12 minute climb going from like what, three Ks, three, four Ks to go. It's not that steep. There's a flat bit in the middle. They have four riders and other teams could chase like Bahrain. No way I ever thought he'd, he could win by one minute. It, no, no, no way. It's not possible on a climb this short. And so I thought it was mainly a bit of like, first of all, an emotional, trying to get an emotional victory. Second of all, take 10 bonies, 15, half a minute, little buffer on Ayuso. Because I, yeah. I, I wouldn't be comfortable going into Angler with one minute. On, yeah. Say Kus has a problem or really cracks or crashes. Roglic and then Jonas are a minute on Ayuso. That can start to look not good pretty quickly. Exactly. And then we look at what's happening. We see that Walter lead out. We see Jonas making that attack with roughly four kilometers to go, 3.9 kilometers to go. And he's got instant separation, but there's, there's still people trying to chase him down. First of all, I feel like Pulse came to the front for a bit, tried to work a tiny bit. Mars was also a bit at the front for a second there. But then the legendary man, diamonds in the legs, Finn Fisher Black comes to the front and attacks? I couldn't really tell, to be honest. <laughs> I, knew, I knew that Vingard's attack was super strong. Uh, yeah. but that was clear because the gap was very, very big, very quickly, and people were chasing initially. But yeah, Finn Fisher Black gets a gap, and I'm thinking, okay, Ayuso and Almeida are not on a good day. They've lost his wheel because they can't go with the pace. He's going to wait. 
I thought he was going to wait. Yeah. Because, like, D what else is going to happen? Almeida, Soler, and Uso don't look like they want to work for each other at any point in this race. So they're not going to start pacing for each other. So every second that Fisher Black is in between Vingegaard and the group of Ayuso, it's time that Vingegaard is gaining time on the group of Ayuso. And yep. we saw that because the time was going from 10 seconds to 20 seconds to 40 seconds with, with Fisher Black like on 12 seconds of Vingegaard and sometimes 6 seconds. But then at a certain point when the road went back up halfway to climb, that's where it really hit. And that's where Fisher Black could not win the stage. Yeah, but he's never like, beating him. Even when he responded and he was on 3 seconds, I was like, it's not happening. Like, but Vingegaard, I wanted it. Yeah, of course it would be fantastic and I want... Fisher Black to do well and Tipper D and Solidarity and all that. But when Vingegaard, you saw with Mas, and Mas made the right decision on Tourmalet, Mas was being held at like two seconds when Vingegaard attacked the last time. And he was like, Ooh, I'm going to end my race here if I keep going. He's not just attacking, he, this is his rhythm. And so there's no way Fisher Black's winning the stage. And let's, let's just go into the mind, into the minds of the UAE directors, Benji. Yeah. Say you were actually hyper-realistic and you took the view that no one can beat Vingegaard in this race. Ayuso will never leapfrog Vingegaard in this race. He is simply too good. Yeah. Should you chase Vingegaard? Or, and, and my answer is not necessarily, but you want to get Ayuso on the podium, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think... You have to put Finn still has to go back yep. to pace Ayuso to drop Koos yep. or Roglic. Exactly, because not only does it hinder them from catching Uyo, it also hinders them from being able to set up a, a launch pad for Ayuso if he has the energy to do so. And we get this kind of silent moment, like we said, when that grab when a gap was growing, and I'm like expecting Mars and so forth and Pools to start pacing for Landa, which happened for a bit, and so forth in that in that group, but then Someone else attacked, and that's behind Vingegaard, who's still a minute or five, roughly ahead on the road, maybe a minute. Then Fisher Black is dropping from 10 seconds behind Vingegaard to like 30 at this point, 25. And we see a move in the group behind the favorites group. Well, not really the favorite group anymore, but what was the favorites group with Roglic's group, basically, where Roglic attacks. And, and Almeida had attacked before, right? Did he? I didn't yeah. see Yeah, Almeida surged and accelerated. And but yeah, to he did. Like, yeah, you're right. UAE absolute disaster class today. I don't know what the... I mean, people are going to be like, oh, the Yumbo team bus, there'll be just people unhappy. UAE today was really... It was much worse. Yeah. Like, that Almeida disaster. sitting in 10th on GC, then surging. Soler's just hanging in there. I mean, maybe he can't go to the front. Finn in the, in the Chaspertat. Really bad. Um, but yeah, then but Roglic went, Benji. That Roglic move? Him attacking that group is also not a good strategy. Yeah, As I agree. in, Vingegaard's ahead. He's gaining time on your group. Yes, it's not good for Roglic's GC, but you're in the same bloody team as Vingegaard. Vingegaard's attack initially was good. Yes, he attacked the red jersey, which a lot of people are actually complaining about online, but that's tactically a good decision by Yumbo to make sure that one of their riders can benefit from attacking away, maybe some group two syndrome behind, and gain time as a consequence making sure that other teams behind have to chase down Vingegaard, which didn't happen because Fisher Black reacted in that way. But Roglic's attack instead does not only hinder the gap that Vingegaard already has, it, it closes it a tiny bit. But in addition, he needs separation for this attack to be useful. And during this Vuelta, 
I don't recall Roglic attacking at any point unless at the finish line and actively dropping everybody in the group. Oh, we saw this on Tourmalet. Yep. When Kuss attacked the last time, Roglic tried to attack. And this is why people keep saying, ah, Roglic, he's biding his time. He looks the strongest in the race. I'm like, what race are you watching? He tried to attack on Tourmalet and got no separation and had to do his 250-meter sprint. And this was the same, Benji. It was not the last 250. I don't know when it was. Glass K, maybe? Um, he attacked, and it was a little bit early for him. Yep. And very quickly, you can see, he's not getting away from Master Nayuso. And they're coming back to him, and they're actually now dropping Koos off yep. their wheel. Um, which and at that Kuz point, is... by the way, it's not too bad. Like, Roglic doesn't know that they're dropping Koos. He also, they're not in his yep. wheel immediately. But it, was, it wasn't like Jonas who just bang. 10 seconds gap. You need the initial separation. And if the initial separation isn't there, then your attack is hindering both Vingegaard's gap at the front and Kuss in your own group. And knowing the history of Roglic's attacks in this race so far, I would have said 90% of the time that the separation would not have happened. If his attack would have been the first one, that's different. Let's say tomorrow, Yambu do the exact same strategy and Roglic is the one to attack the first. You might see a knee-jerk reaction by UAE, that is uh, Fisher Black reacting in the same way as today. Just probably won't happen again. But if that scenario happens tomorrow again, then Roglic might actually be taking quite a bit of free time because of Group 2 Syndrome. Impossible. But I don't believe in the second attack from Roglic dropping the GC riders that are already dropped by one Yamba rider. That's just not a good tactical decision. I mean, you could, yeah, to play devil's advocate, you could say, why does Jonas get the opportunity? to leapfrog him in on GC and take more time on Ayuso and Mars. Why shouldn't Roglic also be afforded that opportunity? Because I trust Vingegaard to drop people instantly easier than Roglic. And he did, but I think you have to let Roglic try to attack. I think you have to let him try. Otherwise, you, you can't just say you have to sit there. But the minute he sees... He could have looked around and they were surplusing with Sepp in the wheel. That could have happened. Yeah. But when he sees they're strung out and they're holding him on five meters, then you have to kind of pull the pin a little bit earlier. He did pull the pin eventually, but yeah, it's it's clear on Angaroo that Roglic, Roglic is not stronger than Masa Nayuso to me. Like, he sat in the wheel the whole tourmalet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And tried to attack them, couldn't get separation, and had just sprinted at the end. And today, they went past him on a, his climb. Yeah, because Anglia was on paper more Vingegaard's climb than Roglic's yeah, climb. Yeah, and Kuz. Yeah, true. Kuz is also on paper better on Anglia than today. Now, we get that scenario that Roglic's attack has, has failed. The gap from Vingegaard to the Roglic group is a tiny bit less as a consequence. Kuz is kind of on the brink of dropping, but he catches back on and they're kind of reaching towards a moment where they will sprint in that group while a minute up the road is Vingegaard winning the stage. Nothing. I can't say much more than that. It happened. <laughs> yeah, Vingegaard wins the stage. Very muted. Maybe not even any celebration. Uh, yeah. Actually across the line, another emotional victory. Um, and then we see in the sprint to the line, or Finn keeps coming. He comes second, which like big watts from him. We did kind of, there was some, well, Paul's Michael Stora erasure. Um, 
Pauls is very, very strong. But yeah, barring FDJ, when there was that lull, there was even an attack from Molima. I was like, you know that the meme, uh, what what the hell a polar bear doing in Arlington, Texas? That was put in Discord. I was like, Palka Molima's attacking the GC group? Which is also just, it's so Molima. It's like, yeah. what are you doing, bro? Like, <laughs> why is he spending this energy? Because why don't you just go in and break The guy was a minute to Vingegaard, by the way. I was like, if he can catch Vingegaard and drop him, maybe that Trek extension was pretty good. Maybe he's trying to get the next, next three years. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but anyway, like, Vingard strong wins. victory by Vingegaard. The gap with which he wins this stage is 43 seconds on Finfisher Black. Wout pulls his third. I'm shocked by these third and fourth. I didn't realize why Pools was third and Storer was fourth. Yeah, yeah, because remember, him and Caruso were trying to get across to Vingegaard, and then Caruso yeah. was initially pacing, Pools went across, and Bahrain stopped. The gap would have been even bigger if Bahrain didn't pace initially. Exactly. Ayuso ends up beating Maz, Vlazov, and Roglic, but in the same time, so it doesn't matter. Irrelevant, but... Could have. If Finn had gone back to pace, Ayuso to take six bonies on Roglic. That is true, but next to that, in addition, you got to keep in mind that Whatever acceleration they did there, did drop Kuss by four yep. seconds and Landa. So Kuss is losing four seconds. And I would say, I would go as far as saying that without Roglic's attack, Vingegaard would have gained more time and Kuss wouldn't have lost the four seconds, in my opinion. I think, yeah, probably Kuss doesn't lose the four. Um... I don't know. You'd expect Ayuso and Master burst at the end anyway. Vlasov looked quite good. Um, Almeida, despite Nos pacing, lost eight seconds to them. It was never a good climb for Kian. He lost uh, 12 seconds to the Ayuso, Mas, Roglic, Vlasov group. Uh, he is still in ninth on GC. So, yeah, Vingegaard takes one minute and 10, no, one minute and 11 seconds with the Bonies. Advantage on Ayuso. Mm-hmm. That's a that's very comfortable cushioning. GC now, Sepkus. His lead has been narrowed. He is now only twenty nine seconds ahead of his teammate Vingegaard. Roglic moves into third with Vingegaard leapfrogging him on one thirty three. Mm-hmm. Ayuso is now on two thirty three, which is his only four seconds. He's actually moved up closer to Sep, but he has lost a minute to Vingegaard, as I said. So he's now. Two minutes and four seconds behind Vingegaard. And if there was any doubt before, Yumbo winning this Vuelta is a lot more assured today. Um, because now for Ayuso to win, not only does Kus have to have a terrible day, Vingegaard, even on an average day, like his when he had diarrhea in week one day, it's hard actually to lose two minutes on the Angleroo. It's actually it's only a forty minute climb and only twenty five minutes steep, which suits I think yard too. So, um, yeah, there's actually no other change in the top ten, Benji, apart from the Yumbo guys yep. leapfrogging each other. Um, I'm trying to figure out who dropped out of eleventh position in GC though. Because that's a Cross, good question. Putrago, Rodriguez, Lopez all moved up, and I don't see the person that has dropped down 75 spots at the moment. David La Cruz didn't start because he's sick with gastro. Oh, so some might not have been finished. I don't know. Remco no, no, no. De- dropped De- down De- on purpose. De La Cruz but... was 11. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. De La Cruz. You're right. I raised oh. him in the final in the in the previous stage when it comes to his attacks, but he deserves to be mentioned when he's exiting his race because he's actually written a quite a. Quite a solid Velta in and the also, Subelia style. 
This 11th, actually, attack, come on, give me the attack the other day. Um, yeah. His 11th in this Vuelta is a lot more impressive than some 8th or 9th positions in other Vueltas and Giros. Like, yep. uh, who's Fair the fellow? Who, uh, not him. Who's the fellow that um, went to Israel? That Nicholas Egg or someone? Who, who came 8th in Hagen, the Vuelta? Carl Friedrich Hagen, I don't know. Yeah, Carl Friedrich Hagen ain't coming 8th in this Vuelta. So you that for free. <laughs> um, this is serious uh, top 10. This top 10 is really, really good. Uh, like, Kian is in ninth, man, and he's, he's so good. Quickly, to summarize. Yes. Your East tactics on this climb were terrible. As a consequence, in my opinion, of their three leaders not willing to work together. And what Fisher Black did, I can't explain at all. Like... That Maybe he was allowed to go explain. for the stage. Maybe yeah, they're man. so obsessed with UCI <laughs> they <have> points. <laughs> Maybe they just want the UCI points to the stage. Team classification. Maybe it's that. I don't believe there's... I'm obviously being biased. Yeah. Because he's young and he's Kiwi. So maybe it isn't the case. But no way he's that sure of himself in the UAE no. hierarchy that he no. could just do what he wants in a Grand Tour. This, this sounds like a team issue. Yeah, I don't like no and, way he a young guy in his twenties would just tell Ayuso and Almeida to go fuck themselves. I feel like the car, or I don't know. And when it comes to Yumbo, we everybody can be critical as critical as they want of like the the leadership attacking each other, like Kuzma making the first move, Roglic making that second move. I personally think the Kuz move was a good tactical move. The Roglic one wasn't a good tactical move, but regardless of that, in GC they moved forward. Like yeah. Because lost four seconds. Sorry, but that's not the end of the world in the span of a two minute and 37 gap going down to 233 in exchange for Vingar getting one minute and is it 11 seconds or something closer to, well, further away, basically, from Ayuso? I'd take that any day, that, that trade. Yeah, for sure. As a team. And the question now is how will they follow this up? Because Kuz and Vingar are really close to the point that if Jonas does this again, he might be in red. Yeah, um, it's tough, isn't it? <laughs> How about ev no? Everyone wants Kuz to win, except maybe Vingegaard's yeah. mother and, and, and family. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe the accountant of Yambo doesn't want Kuz to win because he's gonna like, get a lot more expensive if he wins the Volta. <laughs> I don't believe in running teams like that. Um, <laughs> That's true, I agree. But, but also, there's the argument why shouldn't the strongest win? Yeah, but. Uh, it's difficult. Eh? I somewhat agree, but I also kind of feel like I... Jonas seems like a selfless person to the point that I expect him to offer at least, at least tell the team that he's down to ride for Kuss. And It might fall the other way, but yeah, he seems like someone who would. And to be clear, he was supposed to take t at maximum 20 seconds today plus 10 bonies. He Not accidentally got closer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like you can't tell him to slow down. Um, and he wasn't supposed to take a minute 11 on a 4.9 kilometer climb. That's ridiculous. Um, it's all the fall of you, Ian Fisher Black. Like, yeah, he's also stomping for sure. But <laughs> yeah, it, it would, that's the thing. If Finn paces, I think the gap is, is 25 20. Yep. Um, but that didn't happen. Anyway, what, what do we learn though? Should we write Kuz off? I'm not writing Kuz off just because he lost four seconds in a sprint. I'm not or, writing Kuz off either because tomorrow's stage, let's talk about tomorrow's stage yeah. and then talk about this question. Yeah. Because 
Riba de Sella, Riba Sella, whatever you pronounce this starting spot, to Alto de Langliru. An epic, epic climb. One of the historical climbs in La Vuelta, 124.4 kilometers. It's not really a Unipuerto stage, although I feel like it's going to be ridden as one in the sense of like, this is going to be a stage for me where there might be a break, but I believe the Peloton is going to win. Just like today. But more importantly, I believe tomorrow Yumbo will control the stage and try and win the stage. And yes, that first two climbs. So the first half is basically flat. Then you've got two warm-up climbs before we get to the final climb. We've got the, uh, the Coladiela climb, 6.5 kilometers, 8%. Attrition climb, the first one of the two. Then the Cordal just before the Angliru, which is basically 6k at 8.5% roughly. And that descent of the Cordal runs straight into the Langliru. Langliru is... 13.1 kilometers, 9.5%. But I'll let you talk about how difficult this climb is because this is not just a, a 10 kilometers, 6% climb. This is, this is really bloody steep. 6Ks at that gradient. Okay, there's like two watts of draft, but you're really on your own here. And you don't want to go too early either. I think Enric Mas in 2020, he thought he was going to go clear for the win. Mm -hmm. but he, and he was very strong, but he went too early and Carthy nabbed it. So... It's also, despite being a short stage, those two climbs before, both mm -hmm. over 8%, both 15 minutes, not that easy. And it can be a pretty intense stage beforehand. Obviously, they're not going to burn 5,000 kilojoules like on Col de la Lowe's, but it can be quite difficult before. We saw also the emergence of, was it? Nah, Haimonetero was where Stora attacked yeah. on the penultimate climb and he was stomping. De la Cruz also stomping that day. Um, chasing after him. I think it's a... Should Yumbo chase the break? Yeah, I think they should. It's a short stage to control, and on those two climbs, they can, they can just ride tempo behind the breakaway they've already got under control, because there's going to be a long breakaway formation phase, most likely again, like today. So, I believe they should. It's even to the point that if you're Remco, and he said he wants to go for the stage, but... He kind of said it in the way of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have two rest days, the rest day and today. And then I'll try and slip in moves in the coming days. And I'm like, I'm not sure the breakaway is the best way to win the stage for Remco. Uh, I think winning from the GC groups can be difficult. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> but I also believe that the breakaway won't win. I think the breaks have got a good chance. Really? If it goes early, yeah, 66Ks are flat. Two climbs like that, I think. I also think it's better for him to just do an all-out, an effort for the three hours mm -hmm. um, and not have the acceleration. So I think, yeah, I think he should get in with a tug buddy like Cataneo again, and I think that's his best chance to win. Obviously, to test himself, Yeah, it's a great pressure-free opportunity to test yourself on a mountaintop finish like this True. against the GC guys. Brunil was suggesting that in La Movida, and there's some merit to that. So, I think you can also probably tell, like, a Yumbo, ask Yumbo, like, are they going to chase in the morning? Because yeah, why do Yumbo need the stage, no? Why? How much time do you need at the start of Angliru to win? Five minutes? No, not for Remco. If he's six stomping. Well, Remco, I agree. But the majority of riders on six kilometers at 13% average, maybe a bit more than 13%, you need at least three, four minutes for that. A, a pretty good climber, three minutes minimum. A pretty, and I'm talking like... Parde? Yes, or, you know, sort of guy. Um, so, 
I don't know, Benji. I think that's a really difficult question. I would lean towards if I was Remco trying in the first 20 minutes of break formation, hoping someone e- something easily goes with a Cataneo and a Vavaka with you. If it doesn't, and Yumbo are being mean, I would very quickly step away from that um, and, and just sit in the GC group. Um, yeah. Because as you said, it's... But then, do they have the riders to... I guess Hesink is riding really strong. Maybe he, he can yeah. pace those 8% climbs pretty fast at the moment. Trotnik is, is the first one in my eyes, even. Or I Wilco. think Hesink is currently doing better than Trotnik. Yeah, on the climbs. For sure. Calderon was done really early today, so maybe... Maybe that's just kind of a thing where they used him up early, but also thought about today's, about tomorrow's Angleru stage already. Because I would expect Kalimon to do a bit more than what he did today, if he's in good form. Yeah, and he was good on Tourmalay as well. He was the last man on Tourmalay before Vingegaard attacked. Yeah. Maybe he was just supposed to rest today. I don't know. Um, but yeah, Luke, our producer, has said two things. Walter uh, said that after the stage today, they just heard at the bottom of the climb that Nathan Van Hooydonk is awake and he's pretty okay. This victory is for him, so that's fantastic news uh, for Van nice. Hooydonk. Uh, and yeah, for the in particular, obviously. And then he also, Luke, said that Koos birthday is tomorrow. So here's what I would <laughs> like to happen tomorrow, Benji, which might yes. not be... Tactically the best idea, or...? I think Vingegaard has to set the pace Koos wants on the steep section to all the way to the line. Okay. And protect Koos. I find it interesting, as in... How does that stop you winning the Vuelta? I don't think that stops you winning the Vuelta in any way. The Danes won't like it, but I agree that playing defensive is one of the options. Another option is playing attacking again, because it's been working twice, Tourmalé and Ombeas, to the point that it's likely going to work again tomorrow if, if Vingegaard does the exact same thing. It's likely going to work again. But then you're giving Vingegaard a chance over Kuss. And I don't think Kuss fans will like what happened today in terms of Vingegaard being able to slip closer to, to Kuss. I want GC Kuss to win, but I think both options are perfectly fine strategic options. You can, if you're Yumbo, go with the attacking formation for... Jonas, or you can play defensive with both Jonas and Kuz because you're two minutes ahead of, of a Yuzo at least now. With one of the two, you're more ahead. And when it comes to Primoz, what do you do there? He has to follow. This is a danger stage for him, for his third position. Yeah. I think Roglic like, has to focus on defending third tomorrow. Because Roglic, on this climb the last time he was here, yeah, it was not his best ground tour, that one. He won that one on bonus seconds, basically, against Karapaz yeah, in 2020, if I recall. Explain the myth of Roglic. I said it before, but it's just like, he's not attacking because he's making a choice not to. It's like, well, actually, if you can attack and have the legs to take one minute, normally riders do that. Um, yeah. Like Pogaccia or Vingegaard. Um, usually when riders don't attack it, or when they do attack, they don't get separation. There's a reason for it. I'm not saying he's in bad shape. And yes, he is probably better than in the Vuelta 2020. Uh, but I don't. today was the stage for him to win. Tomorrow, yeah. Angleru, based on Tourmalet, based on history, 45-minute climb. He, I think he should focus on being conservative and sitting on Ayuso and Mas. And also because we're looking at this stage now, this is a rather short battle. Uh, period in the stage, the last climb, Angliru, 
No GC rides gonna attack before that. That's relatively no, certain suicide, in my head. Yeah. But the next day is completely different to the point where that's where the real questions will be asked when it comes to tactical plans. Because what if someone goes at a certain point in that race, which like sta stage 18 is a stage with climbs all over the route. And like, it's kind of the raid stage where you've got jumping points for riders. And if Yumbo was behind in GC, that'd be a great moment to have your tree leader strategy benefit over others. But I'm also in the opinion that they don't really need to do that anymore. So I don't know why I, I get, I, I would love to see the Kuz and Vinga defensive action for GC Kuz, because we all want GC Kuz to win. But I would understand it as well if Vingegaard attacks and is simply the best in the race and therefore wins the Volta that way. Yeah, I mean, Vingegaard can attack tomorrow and win by two minutes, of course. Yeah. Like, or 90 seconds or whatever. Like, but it's boring. <laughs> yeah, but fuck that. <laughs> like, yeah, of course he can do that. Um, and also, you, you know, I don't think it's helping. Say Ayuso attacks, yeah. except Koos is struggling. Vingegaard marks Ayuso. Tactically, yeah. that is the correct thing to do. That also means Vingegaard wins, probably. Um, because... Yeah. Ayuso, Ayuso... not going to stop. Ayuso, if he has one Yumbo in his wheel, or two Yumbo in his wheel... He's happy. Ayuso, he will keep going. And same with Mas. You will keep going because you might get on the podium. It, he will only stop, or Mas will only stop, if there are three Yumbo in the wheel. Yeah, because Ayuso... Like at this moment in the race, is not thinking about winning the race by dropping no. everybody. He's thinking about picking off a single Yumbo rider every time in the hopes that he can find his way on the podium first. And if he can drop one of the three Yumbo riders tomorrow, then he's going to be really happy at the end of the day. Yep. But the question then is, hypothetically, let's say Roglic has a bad day, Kuss has a bad day, Vingo has a bad day, and either one of the three drops just behind the user in GC. You reckon Yumbo will try and use their tree leader strategy on the day behind? Tomorrow, the after tomorrow, to get the third rider back on the podium. <laughs> yeah, I think they would. I think so as well. <laughs> I think so. Because oh. Vingard, Vingard kind of doesn't, he doesn't care if the race is super closed down and conservative. Yeah. And I, I can't imagine him being the one to fall out of the podium. And I would assume he would be going into red in that situation. But yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the internecine warfare uh, is kind of boiling a little bit, maybe. Will it bubble over or boil over tomorrow? Um, it's very, very difficult to manage, that's for sure. But I'm going to pick Sepp Kuz to win the stage, Benji. I'm not worried about him losing a couple of seconds on a punchy finish. I think Angler is good for him. And um, I think, yeah, I think uh, I'm going with Kuz to win the stage. More of a heart pick. And Vingegaard to Mark Ooh. Ayuso and Co. behind. I find it interesting because, like, I'm imagining the scenario of Vingegaard and Kuss playing rather defensively, and then I'm wondering who's still gonna be there at the finish line. And well, that's what I mean. If Vingegaard sets his pace right for, yeah. for Kuss, he's not gonna lose two minutes to Ayuso if he counterattacks him. There's no yeah. risk. I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna allow it. I believe that Enrique Mas will revive himself. Another good pick. Rise up. <laughs> and win the stage. It's unlikely, well, you know, but... You know, he gave a Spanish language interview where he said, stage wins don't matter. I need... For, for a rider like... My, yeah, wins don't matter. For a rider like myself, being on the podium's better. And people were like, I don't know. Win on the angler is pretty good. And right now you're in fifth. So I hope he has a dig. I hope he has a dig. 
Um, yeah. He, he also he he's going to be. He's pretty comfortably ahead of Soler yeah. now. There's no so, like Soler's on 26 seconds and he's going to drop tomorrow. Let me get this right. No confidence in Emco winning on Angliru. From which group? <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know. From the GC group, I don't see it. I don't know it either. I um would be would be funny though. Like it would be a memory of like the the Bargill days in Sunweb in that one Tour de France when he when he won stages from the GC group yeah. and won KOM. That's the kind of memory I'm thinking about. That's the kind of stuff that would be funny to see. But I reckon um nah. I'm gonna I'm gonna switch it up. Not Mars. Ayuso is gonna gonna win on Andrew. Yeah. It's very I, unlikely. I, think I don't believe in it. Than Mars. I don't believe it at all. I think Mars is more realistic than Ayuso. But really? Go for Ayuso anyway. I mean, we'll see if. <laughs> don't you think Almeida and Soler and Finn should do a lead out for Ayuso tomorrow? Yeah, but they're not gonna do it. I believe a lot of things. Finn might. Finn's been actually a good domestic this entire yeah, race. he moved Ayuso up on the climb today. No, initially he was moving him yeah. up. I reckon it's just a, a mistake by the team car today because I don't see Fisher Black doing what he did out of selfishness. But I think if you want to get on the podium, you've you got to set a pace, man. Um, yeah, you, you do. <laughs> so, like, Roglic, Cruz, and Vingar just won't just drop. Uh any other movement you see that we we should be looking at, Benji? Will Will Landa overtake Soler? That's something to really watch. Go from seventh to sixth. Uh, will Vlasov overtake uh, Landa or Soler? He looked good today, but it's a longer climb tomorrow. Almeida, yeah, but I don't know. Vlasov got second on Angiru in twenty twenty. Remember, and I yeah, picked him for the climb, stage then. in the preview, and I don't remember why I picked him, just because of that Angiru, I think. Yeah, but he could, How, what he, if he, Lozov wins on Angliru? He could, he could climb when he was on Astana. Would huh? you color your hair green if Lozov wins on Angliru? Uh, nah, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. <laughs> I'll say I'm wrong and an idiot, but I'm not going to find green hair coloring in, in Andorra. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I don't see that. Uh, but that, that's what we're watching. Top 10 movement from 5th to uh, to 10th. And like 10th position, I also reckon Almeida saved there and the, the space from 11th to 9th is 5 minutes. So I kind of feel like no one in the top 10 will lose their top 10 tomorrow. Santi in the break, maybe. I don't He's see good the on the ramp. So. If Santi wants to get in the top 10, I'd get in the breakaway. Yeah, I, I agree. think that's what he should do with, uh, with some With Remco. Yes, that's what he should do. All right, I think it's going to be, it's always an interesting stage to see on Angleru, the strongest will out. Um, and will we see team meltdowns? UAE, Yumbo, question marks over them today. Um, will we see that boil over tomorrow? I can't wait to watch. Hope you enjoyed this recap and we'll see maybe the eagle fly tomorrow. Until then, ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 